And so this morning, I'm in the second part of what we started last week with Pastor Josh. And today's message, if you will hear it and apply it, and it I, I believe this, it'll radically transform your life. How many of you need some transformation in your life? And see, I believe this, if you hear it and you do it, there's one thing knowing it, it's another thing doing it. How many of you know what I'm talking about? It's like when you used to drive up and down the streets and you used to, when I was a kid, when you would, I lived part of my life in Sulphur, Louisiana and part of my life in Lafayette. And I remember we would get our, uh, we'd get our hot rods and we'd go up and down the street. And the most exciting thing you could do is find a McDonald's or Burger King or a parking lot and hang out. How many of you know what I'm talking about? And everybody would go, look, look at that car. And some people go, oh, man, remember they'd go, it's all show. It's no go. And you know what? I, I look sometimes at people come to church and you're just all show. But there's no go inside of you. And so this morning, I really believe that if, if you hear what the Spirit of God wants to speak to you, I believe God will put some go in you. How many need some go? And, and so, you know, you know, as a pastor, it took me a long time to learn this. And today's message is called, the miracle of margin. You know, what does that mean, Pastor? Margin in your life. It, it's kind of like the shocks. How many you know, how many you know you need air shocks uh, in a car? Sometimes if you're going down the road that's bumpy and it, it's just rough. And sometimes when you allow margin in your life, it's like putting air shocks in your life because we're all going to face bumps, we're all going to face challenges, and we're all going to face things that are rough. How many you know I'm talking about? The Bible promised, Jesus said, you will go through the fire, the fiery test. And so this morning, I just want to welcome you back to this, this uh, part two of margin. And so the, the, the title of this message is The Miracle of Margin. And so as, you get in, as we get into it, let me just ask you a few questions before we really get. How many of you would say, I would love to have a little bit more time maybe for myself to rest and do something I enjoy? Anybody like that? Okay, how many, how, many go, uh, how many of you would say, I, if I had more time, that would be just awesome? Okay, how many of you would say, I would, I would love to have more time to spend with people that I love? How many of you say, that's me? And, and if, you're, if they're sitting next to you and you didn't raise your hand, you better hope they don't pop you in the eye or the mouth. Okay. And so, how many of you love to have more time, just to, here's one, how many of you love to just have more time to spend with God? Okay, an article in USA Today said the average American spends 28 hours a week watching television. Okay, now you think about, do, do you realize that that's more than three days, work days, watching the television? Okay, in other words, by the time you reach 70 years old, if you do that, you've, you've spent 10 years of your life numbing yourself in front of a box. And so here it is. If you missed last week, here's what we said. What, what are we talking about when I talk about margin? Margin is the amount available beyond what's necessary. In other words, it's the difference between what you have and what you need. So in our lives, margin would have... Uh, maybe having more time, have enough more time. It would, it would be maybe having some extra time. And Marjorie would be having time to listen to your children and not working in your mind. Not allowing things to be rolling over in your mind. Really listening to Marjorie is having time to be interrupted and be glad about your being interrupted. Come on, any moms like that? 
I'm so glad to hear what, I'm so glad I can help you today, baby. What is it that you really need instead of being so rushed to do something? Margin would be having time, it would be having rest. It would be meaning having being relaxed. It would have time to reflect. Margin has, is a great amount of time with the people that you love. You know, let, let's just take a look at the theme verse that we're looking at for these next th- few weeks. And the verse is in Ephesians chapter 5, verses 15 through 17. This is what it says. It says so be careful how you live. Don't live like fools, but like those who are wise. In other words, when you look at that portion of Scripture, and we we'll come back to the rest, it's like Paul's explaining. He says, you know, life is kind of like a circle. It's not the circle of life from Lion King, but I said, it's like a circle, and, and, and if you walk within that circle and you keep in those lines, you, you know what, so you can see things around you. Instead of, you know, not being blindsided or, or being uh, or tricked, you know, in life. How many of you know that, that there, there are a lot of times that sometimes, how many of you ever been blindsided in life? How many of you been tricked into things? Come on, anybody ever had somebody trick you doing something? You know, and, it's, and that's what he's saying in the scripture. He says, so be careful how you live. So you keep within that margin of your life and that you're not blindsided. And he says this. Are y'all with me this morning? Don't live like fools in a fool. You know, if you know what the Bible says, fool says, it says, the Bible says a, a fool in his heart said there is no God. In other words, really, when you translate it, a fool is like this. No, God. No. It means no, no time with you. No, not, nothing to do in my life. You know, there was like a guy I heard a couple of years ago. He stood before the judge and he said, you know, it's like, he goes, you know what? I'm tired of Christmas. I'm kind of, you know, that you give all these people. And he went to, 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 to trial with this. And, and they were going to make a decision if they could celebrate Christmas and Thanksgiving in this, in this county. And the judge came back and he realized, and he was a Christian judge. He prayed and he said, he said, and, and, and the guy was a, a humanist, and he said, you know, I don't have a day. And the judge went and prayed, got away with the Lord. Lord gave popped something in his hand, and he looked at him, and he says, you know what? There is a day for you. He goes, there is? He goes, April 1st. That's your day. He, he, he laid the gavel down, and he goes, so be it. Go live your day. There is. There is a day for everyone. And so, anyway, I thought it was fun. I can't imagine being in that courtroom. We gave you your day, April 1st, fool. Get out of here. Anyway. And he says this. He says, says, what happens is, he says, make the most of every opportunity in these evil days. Don't act thoughtlessly, but understand what the Lord wants you to do. If you're not careful, there's a pull away from the most important things to the things that are lesser things in this world. How many are talking about? And some people go, they think, well, it's gaining this, having that, gaining this, doing this. And you think that's what's going to get you, that's what's going to bring fulfillment. And sometimes we look at those big ticket items when it's the really small things in our lives, like spending time with our children, spending time with your mate, making that margin in our life. And I'm going somewhere this morning. We're going to be on the travel channel, but we're going to get there, I promise you. You see, foolish, foolish living is filling our lives with things that really don't matter. Last week we learned you make the choice, you have to make wise decisions and make the most of the opportunities. This week, what I want to talk to you about is I want to talk to you how living marginless affects our spiritual life. 
If you live without margins in your life, giving time, space, so those things that are important. Here, here's the margin. The margin must haves. Here's the margin must haves. When when we get stressed and overwhelmed, two things. The two most important things that we should never let go are often the very things that we do let go. What are those two things? Number one, if you have your notes, write this in. It says number one, intimate time with God. What do you mean, Pastor Bubba? Luke says it like this. But despite Jesus' instructions, the report of his power even spread even faster. He was telling people, you know, he, you know, Jesus, he would go, he would try to do miracles sometimes without people even, he said, don't, and he'd touch someone, he said, and go tell no one what I did. And the first thing, you know, imagine you get, you, you can see and you've been blind all your life. I mean, come on. How I many of you would just kind of like, okay, I'll do what he said, I'll shut up. Because Listen, it's like this. I was telling someone this week, you know, the Bible, you know, in, the, in life, there's five gospels. There's Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. And most people don't read those gospels. Then the last gospel is you. But most people will read you to see what God is really like. And see, here it is. Here's Jesus, and he said, but the report of his power spread even faster, and vast crowds came to hear him preach and, and to be healed of their, of their diseases. But Jesus often withdrew to the wilderness for prayer. And I just know this. Some people go, well, how come we don't see more miracles? How come we don't see more things? How come we don't see more activity of what God's doing? I believe this. Prayer always precedes power. Sometimes the reason we don't see things in our country is because we don't go to the source that brings the power already. You know, there's people, you can, you know, when the rich young ruler came to him, what did he, what did he want? You know, what is, the, what is the one thing that he wanted? He wanted to be rich in God. It's not about how much riches you have, because when you have it and you exploit it and there's nothing left and there's emptiness, really what you want to know when you come to know the Lord is how can I be rich in him? See, Jesus went from the multitude to the solitude. He literally, he, I mean, here he's all these crowds and everything, but I love, and, and, and Jesus, and he, all throughout the gospel, and he slipped away to be alone. He walked through the crowd, no one grabbed him, and he went to a solid place of solitude. I believe this, Jesus was, how many believe Jesus was a busy man? Come on, how many believe he was pretty busy? Okay. I'm sure you don't have the pressure of saving the world like he did. Okay? So despite the constant pressures from family, from friends and followers, Jesus' own life was marked by the outgoing times of solitude. Pastor, what do you mean? You see, Jesus went, went from the multitude to the sol solitude. is not a punishment like you're, you, we inflict on prisoners. Okay? It's not that way at all. So, I, I believe this. Solitude is fasting from people for a pre-described time to connect with God and to replenish your soul. How many of you know we got a lot of junk in this world? How many of you know we got a lot of things that try to attach itself to us? How many of you know you face things even getting here this morning? There was things that tried, your kids. You know, and then you're driving up. Your kids are driving you crazy. And you go, shut And you turn around. And you shut up. Ah, shut up. And your kids are like, ah. And they go, oh, mom, there's Pastor Bubba. And all of a sudden, you go, hey. 
You can go from killing one to kill someone to go, oh, Lord, I've been exposed. I know. See, just like everyone has physical strength, every, everyone also has so much emotional and spiritual strength. And then we don't, and that's it. How many you ever been tapped out? Come on. Not the clothing line for UFC. I'm talking about just really being tapped out. You know, you know, if Jesus got a way to rest, I just know this. That means I probably need to do that. That probably means you need to do that. And see, I just know that, that, you know what, here's the deal. You don't have time for the most, if you don't have time for the most important things, it's because you're, you're, you're just out of alignment with God. See, y'all getting quiet on me. I can tell. But here he is. Have you ever had a car that you dra- drove and it was out of alignment? Okay. My wife, she'll, she'll give me, Bubba, her car. You know, it's like we've had problems with her, 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 her uh, just different things in her car. And it's just like alignment. She drives it all the time. I'll get in it. One time I just act alignment. I didn't, I was like, I could tell it was kind of messed up. I was like, nah, we, we can deal with this, you know. And then she kind of like, Bubba, I'm telling you. I'm not a mechanic, and, you know, I don't even, she's better, she knows more than I do when things like that, all right? She goes, I'm telling you, you got to fix it. And, you know, you let go of the steering wheel, and it kind of goes, you know, I just believe this, is that the car just naturally pulls to one side, and if you don't constantly, you know, fight it, it'll pull you and take you off. We're sinners in the Bible, and, you know, when we see this, and the pool is always away from God. How many of you talking about? We always got that pool. It's not always going towards God. It's going away from anybody in here. Anybody want to be real this morning? Let's not be religious. It's always the pool away. And what happens is it's away towards a marginless culture. The need, we need intimate and consistent time realigning our hearts daily with God. That's like going to the guy that knows how to do the alignment. And, you know, you know I've, I've talked to one guy that was doing it. He goes, how do you know? And he goes, well, just wait and things. And he starts telling me, you got to adjust this, you got to adjust that. And I'm like, oh, okay. And that's why, listen, if we don't go to God and let him realign our lives and our hearts. The Bible even says this, we don't even know what's in us. It says you don't even know your own heart. How many of you ever been doing really good? Anybody ever do good in here? I mean, you think you're really doing good, and all of a sudden something comes up in your life, and all of a sudden, I mean, almost like hell releases itself from your mouth, your thoughts. Come on. You've been really doing good. You go, man, no one's cut in front of me, and then all of a sudden someone cuts right in front of you, give them the peace symbol, and you go, you know, like, and your children are like, oh, my God. Because you've allowed the pressures of life. You haven't realigned your heart. Because that's where people are at. Because they haven't, they haven't allowed margin in their lives. Am I speaking to you? Are you hearing me? Jesus used solitude for the multitude of, of for a multitude of purposes in his own life. Let me just give you a few. After John, after after uh, after he was baptized by John the Baptist, the Bible said that he went away for forty days and forty nights. And he fasted and he prayed before he went and even prepared for his public ministry. He went and got away. What did he, who did he go get away with? 
He wasn't watching his iPhone. He wasn't doing, you know, he wasn't texting somebody or anything. He just went and got alone. When's the last time you just went and got alone with God? From all the noise and beep, boop, boop, you know, you know, or you click, click, whatever your little thing does when it has a text come through. I've talked to people sometimes, and I'm trying to sit to them, sit with them in my office, and all of a sudden they're going, I just want to do that. You know, and I've talked to people, and they start telling you about their lives, and you're going, man, what's up with that? I understand why you're where you are. I understand why now. See, following even after John the Baptist was beheaded, you know, he followed that. Jesus went in time. He went alone and he got away to get alone and he wept he had to get margin in his life how many of you had something painful happen to you and you just had to get away jesus used solitude as occasions for intense and focused prayer he used solitude to rest after a hard day of work he used solitude as an opportunity to pray and seek god's will before choosing even the 12 disciples he got away Knowing he was going to be crucified, he went to the Garden of Gethsemane and he went and he spent time with his father because he knew what was going to happen. He was, gonna, he was trying to grip with the painful obedience that was required of him to go to the cross to die for you and me. He needed his father's strength. Strength comes, power comes, miracles come, deliverance comes when you allow margin in your life. You know, you think about other people. Moses, he went and got alone to the mountain. That's where he received the Ten Commandments. Isaiah, he went, he went out in the wilderness and he was saved and sustained through God, through times of solitude with the Lord. David, King David says that in solitude, God calmed his fears and encouraged his soul. How many of you got some fears? How many of you need some encouragement? Encouragement means God, that means encouragement means courage poured into your heart. How many need some courage? Some of us need need courage to make decisions. That's why we've got to get alone with God and sometimes just talking to him, hearing him, wanting to know his voice. Listen, I want I don't want to just go do things that I want to do. I want to create enough margin in my life. I've learned this. When I've blown it, when I've gotten angry, when I'm bothered, when I've done, said something stupid, done something stupid, it's because I haven't allowed margin in my life. Really what it is is that I haven't taken that time to be intimate with my Heavenly Father. I'll just say this. It's quiet in here because I think some of you are just reeling and thinking, that's me too, Pastor. See, I love what Matthew says. Matthew six thirty three. Seek the kingdom of God. Above all, okay, above all else, and live righteously, and He will give you everything you need. Say everything. You know what everything in the Bible means? Everything. See, a lot of you are going to say, "Well, we live in the real world, Pastor Bubba. I don't have time to have time with God." Can I just say something? I'm going to argue with you. Can I just argue? I will argue all day long that you don't have time not to have time with God. 
It's like, it's kind of like your tithe. You know? You put it aside for the first, and he blesses the rest. In other words, you seek him first, and the rest of your day, think about it, is aligned to the heartbeat of God. Here's the challenge. I want to challenge you. This is what you need. Listen to me. I just want to challenge you to start by spending at least 10 minutes a day just in God's presence. I'm not talking about Bible reading. I'm not talking about meditation. I'm I'm talking in God's presence. Because you won't get it from a television preacher. He may put the free songs on you a little bit. Are you hearing what I'm saying? They can be good and they can have good purposes, but they're not going to be there when you really need them. Call, call whoever. Call Joel. He's a great guy, but call him when your mama dies. You're not going to get in touch with him. I promise. There's nothing wrong with that just because you understand me? He's a great preacher. There's other guys that are on TV. I'm just using his example. But you know what? When you have spiritual family, you have people that you're walking in with, and you've allowed margin in your life, God only, not only do you need God, but you need people in your life to help you. I want to challenge you. See, realign your heart to the things God, the things of God, and watch the rest of your day and the things become more productive and see what happens, and, and you'll, you'll just be at a better place. How many of you want to be at a better place in your life? I say, Pastor Bob, I'm listening to you. I, I, I realize. Come on, help me out. I just need to know. You're here. Okay. I'm not as funny this week. I understand. The second thing is this. You need, you and I, I'm not just talking to you. I'm talking to me too. I've always heard it said when you point one finger to the crowd, there's always a few pointing back at you. Intentional times of rest. Intentional times of rest. I've heard it say, if you can't learn to rest, God will put you on your back so you will have to rest. I learned a lot about resting when I walked through a lot of my battle with cancer. You know, I just, it was like a forced rest. And to give up like seven weeks of not preaching, I was like, man, after I got operated on, I could do it this week. I remember I called, they had a dead cat under my house, and my wife was going, man, something's smelling the house. And I'm like, and I'd only been, I don't know, surgery, like two weeks, ten days, or something like that. And, and, I, mean, and I went behind the, washing, the, the dryer, and I pulled up the hose from the floor, and I had a flashlight. I looked down, it was a dead cat. What happened is that heater hose, it was real, real, real cold those couple of days, that cat had got in there was, oh, yeah. But then when he went out, he was like, oh, no. And he froze and died. So I, my wife's going, call somebody, call. She's telling me people, call someone, someone. And me, full of pride, wanted to do it on my own. Hello? Didn't, didn't want him want to rest. Come on, am I speaking to any, any wives? You want to help me out? You know how your husbands are. I'm, I'm getting under there. So my house is on pillars, so I'm, I'm like, I'm going, and, man, I'm, I'm, I'm kind of, man, I'm feeling the pain, and I'm like, I'm going to suck it up. And I get, a, I get under there a little ways, and I go, this is stupid. I crawled out, and I called Mikey. Mikey, can you come give me this? And I'm like, you know, I'm like, I'm, I'm not going to I tried, man. He goes, what are you trying, Pastor Bubba? Why are you trying? Why didn't you call me earlier? You know, it's like, come on. 
We went and got the dead cat and put it in a bag, and we disposed it, and he went to wherever cats go. They don't go to heaven. Anyway, sorry, Dana. Been seeking the Lord on that. But as Exodus says this, we need times of rest. Why did I say that? Because some of us just need to learn to rest. We try to, we get distracted even in our moment when we're supposed to rest. This is from Exodus, and this is, this is, listen to what it says. Remember the Sabbath day to keep it holy. Six days you shall labor and do all your work, but the seventh day is a Sabbath to the Lord your God. On it shall, shall not do any work, you and your son and your daughter your male servant or your female servant or your livestock or sojourner who is within your gates. For in six days the Lord made heaven and earth, the sea, and all that is in them rested on the seventh day. Therefore, the Lord blessed the seventh day and made it, what? Holy. Holy. You think about that concept. You imagine of children, when Moses, I thought about it this morning, when Moses came down from the mountain, this had to be a revolutionary like idea because they've been working for 400 years night and day every day for the Egyptians and they were in slavery and they were in bondage and Moses and it's in the it's in the commandments thou shalt not kill thou shalt not you know commit adultery it's in all of those and he says and you will have one day of rest that was like a new concept say what rest wow see God worked in six days, and on the seventh day, he did what? Come on, seven. what did God do? Come on. He, did, he rested on the seventh day. The Sabbath, listen to me, is a gift. You make time. And what's that for? That you make time. For your family. It's not just going out and having fun and vacation. It's making time, making margin in your life for your family. It's making time and margin for your children. It's, it's something, it's for your health. It's for your soul. So it can just get rested and restored. You know, I could have gone hunting early Saturday morning, but my wife and I just, I sat and drank coffee and you know, just had a good time with her. We talked, and, and I, that morning I go, man, I was hoping you'd make, since I stayed, and I said, I, you know, I was hoping you'd make uh, some coffee cake. She goes, I already plan on doing that. So we ate coffee cake, drank coffee, and I was just, it was just time of rest. Then my friends start coming, hey, man, I got, hey, you know, Pastor Jake, hey, where you at, man? I got, man, I'm drinking coffee with the queen mother. What? What are you doing? You're not a man of God. I, Hot mama, hot coffee, hot coke. This is it. I said, I already got my limit. That's all I got to say. And then he, his son called. Yeah, I called my first specs ever myself by myself. And then I, I called Denny. and goes, yeah, the, we got one goose, but they got one. They, I mean, the, the, the miss is just coming in, Pastor, right now. And I'm like, oh, man. And my wife, I guess she looks at me and she goes, baby, you can go. You can go. You can get, you sure? Yeah, you can go. I didn't keep you back. You can go. And I'm like, really? I can go? Felt like a little boy. And she's not telling me, no, you can't. No, you just go. Go, go, go for an hour or two. I'm like, really? Men, you're wishing your wife would do that to you. I know that. 
creating margin. And I'll just tell you this. Years before that, I didn't create margin. If the hunting was hot, I was a hot man out the door. Not leaving margin. And you know, for every one of us, it's learning to rest. Say it with me. Say rest. Most of when we get busy, we lose margin and we can't. We feel like we can't afford to take a day off or even rest. You say, well, you have no idea how important I am and what I got to do and where I got to be and who I am and what I represent. You know, but I know this is the Sabbath. What you say, what you're saying is this This is what you're saying. Then you're saying then that's God's principles. Then you're saying that then God's principles aren't true. That's really a faith issue on your part. It's a faith issue. God promised that you will be more productive in six days and resting one than seven days working every day. Thank you for all those amens. You see, there's a book that a guy wrote, and he, he, he was talking about living a life of space. He said, when, he said, when I look deeper at the life of Christ, I noticed there was no indication he worked 20-hour days, ministry days. He went to sleep each night without having healed every disease in Israel. And he apparently slept well. Neither did he minister to everyone who needed it. Neither did he visit or teach everybody who needed it. There were needs that, were, that, that he simply chose not to meet. Even when Lazarus became sick, Jesus was shockingly slow to mobilize. But Jesus delayed for two days. Andrew, bring me my bucket. Andrew's going to preach with me this morning. Hold that bucket right there, Andrew. Okay, go ahead. Let me see. Thank you. Y'all give a hand to Andrew helping me out. All right. What is this? Come on. Tell me what it is. It's a revelation. What is it? A bucket. And I just want you to know that this bucket is a picture of our lives. This is us, you and me, this bucket. Man, I thought it was prettier than that. You and I, our lives are represented by this bucket. Every one of our lives is like this bucket. The outside of the bucket is your exterior relationships, okay? People you go to work with, they walk in and go, hey, how's it going? Hey, how's it going, man? Hey, yeah, you're doing, hey. It's those people that you work with. It's your friends. Hey, bud. Hey, yeah, we're going to go. Yeah, we're going to go catch some fish. Oh, yeah, man. It's your neighbors. Hey, Joe, how's it going? Hey, good to see you, buddy. Hey, yeah. But the inside of the bucket, the inside of the bucket is our, is our interior relationships. What is that, Pastor Bubba? That's the people we're closest to. Your wife, your children, some of your family, friends that are deep with you. See, when you live a life without margin, the closest people to you get the worst of what's inside the bucket. What do you mean? See, a, a life without margin is like this. People just see this. And you're that on the outside. But on the inside, when you get home, come on. If you're not learning to create margin, if you're not learning to refresh and restore yourself, you're something different. Hello? Here's, here's, here's what Jesus' plan is for our life. Here it is. John 10, 10. 
I'm going to read from the Amplified Version. It says, the thief comes only, only in order to steal and kill and destroy. I came that you may have, have, and listen to this, and enjoy life and have it in abundance to the full till it overflows. God's design is that your inner life is to be maintained spiritually, to be maintained emotionally, physically, and financially. Your life should be an overflow. Hello, come on. What's ever inside you should be an overflow. I know this. It's like if I don't live on a see, either you're an overflow or you're a drain. Which best describes your life? Overflow or drain? See, I've learned this. If you don't build margins in your life or like a fence or like a hedge in your life, in your relationships with your wife and your children and the people that are closest to you, if you don't build that, if you're not building the inner man, this is the inner man. Hello. Some of you are like a Bangladesh poster child that's holding a little rice bowl and going, me with the flies and just sad looks. When God's going, say, man, come on, if you just fill up the inner man, you're wondering why you can't overcome, why you keep struggling with these different things. It's because you're not filling the inner man. I'm not talking to anybody here this morning. It's filling the inner man. So God's saying, listen, if I wish I had a spiritual indicator at the back doors right there and indica- indicated what your spirit looked like inside you when you walked in the door. One to ten. One being like poverty. Okay, ten being like Jesus. Okay, no one's a ten, all right? You know what I mean? I'm talking about. But the goal is I want to be close to that ten as much as possible. Believe me, if we had a spiritual indicator outside those doors, before you walked in, there'd be people going, oh, God, touch me. Help me. Because it's in the week. It's not what I do out here on Sunday morning. This is the easiest thing I do all week. You say, oh, if I was a pastor. Oh, yeah, if you're a pastor, let me just tell you something. Take my phone calls. Well, that's easy for you. You just, I mean, you do this. No, you don't get the call. Can you come see my son? He's going to die. Pastor, our baby died. My wife left me. Pastor, I had one guy one time, he said, here, here's my pistol. And don't give it back to me till you think I'm healthy enough to receive it back. And I'm not making you feel sorry for me, because that, that's what God called me to do. I'm kind of like a heart specialist. I've been in airports when I'm going to other countries and talking to guys. I, you know me. I, 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 hey, what are you doing? They ask me, what, what do you do? I go, well, I'm a heart specialist. Really? What, what, you work, where do you practice? Oh, I, I practice in my region where I'm at. Really? I didn't know they had any cardiology clinics over there in Jennings. Yeah. Well, what do you, well, what, what part of that? Well, I'm a specialist. A specialist? Yes. So what, where did you go to school to learn to be a heart surgeon? Oh, I'm, I'm not a heart surgeon. I'm a pastor. Oh, you got to be in me. 
because that's my job. And if my heart's not where it needs to be, listen, I'll just be mean up here all, every Sunday. Hello? Have you been to churches where you thought the preacher was born in hell because he preaches so hot? You think, Lord, that guy has been born there. what you build and see if i don't build a hedge and if i don't build a hedge of protection around my life around and around my family and my children around this church then guess what it's the enemy will come in like a flood the bible says unless we raise up a standard and the standard is like no you're not coming here no i'm not allowing that anybody here you listen to me? See, what happens when you're going to, if you don't get recharged, you violate the principle that God the Father and Jesus operated. If God the Father rested and Jesus rested, then that means you must, you must rest as well. The great Baptist preacher, evangelist Vance Habner said this, If you don't come apart for a while, you will come apart after a while. I read a thing that says addiction specialists say, what do you do, what you do, do, what do you do when you're tired, you're angry and depressed? Those are the trigger points for those who are workaholics, alcoholics, addicts that walk in lust and have rage and anger. It's because when they're at that point and they're down, they're discouraged. I had one of my sons call me a couple weeks ago. He says, my son Nathan, he's in, he's. God's doing great things in life, but he struggled with different addictions. He said, I'm ready. I was just thinking about leaving and all this and just, and I said, no, you're not. I said, first of all, you ain't coming home because there's no place for you. Second of all, you're discouraged and you need to let, sounds like to me, you're not letting things get, people get inside of you. By the time I was off and he was like, you know, I think I'm going to stay here, dad. I think I'll marry me a girl from around here. Well, so if you leave, you ain't going to find no girl over there and come back over here. You better stay to find a girl God wants you to have. I remember being a single man, you're just praying, Lord, bring me a woman. I had a single man clapping this morning. Here's my advice to single man. You want a good, how many of you want a good woman that will treat you right, man? Come on. Come on. Raise your hand. Single man. Come on. All right. Let me, let me see. Y'all all liars. Let's be, let's be straight. How many of you want, you single man, how many of you want a good woman that'll be good to you? Come on. Raise your hand high. Come on. Be, it may come this week. You better be raising your hand. Okay? Let me tell you how you get that. How many of you want to know how to get that? Be the right man to meet the right woman. You got to, there's something you got to do on the inside before you get what God has for you. Because God, all your life, when you serve God, I realize this. I believe that God puts people in our lives for the right time, for the right season. When God saw me and created me, he, was, he, was, he had created Tracy and was doing something in her life and for my life. And then when we met and we came together, you know what I mean? God gave me the perfect gift for what I needed. It was Tracy is my greatest gift from God the Father in heaven. Are you hearing me? 
And when, you're, when you live a life out of a margin, listen, your wife doesn't become that. Your children don't become that. They just become another obstacle for you trying to get what you think you got to have when it's not the most important thing that you really need because you need God. You need rest. You need margin in your life. And somebody are saying amen this morning. You see, Psalms, I love it. Those, you know, Psalms 127 says it's useless to rise early and go to bed late and work with worried fingers to the bone. Don't you know he enjoys giving rest to those he loves? God loves to give rest. God loves to refresh. God loves to renew. Where do I start, Pastor? Here's where you start. Listen to me. Give you three things, and then I'm going to be done. I promise you. First thing, you got to reflect. I think you need to go home this afternoon and sit down and have an honest conversation with God and have an honest conversation with your spouse. I really do. If you don't have a conversation, if you don't have a spouse, have a conversation with God. You need to talk to God before you talk to anyone else. Here's what you got to realize. I get before him, I lay down all my cares, my situations, and my hurts, and my circumstances, and I give those to him. The second thing is, husbands, the second thing is, you need to learn to repent. I've heard a lot of people give different descriptions as living a certain way and turning 180 degrees and going another way. Not 360 because that's a complete circle. And I'm a serve, I'm a, I was a surveyor. I've heard people get up, you need to turn your life around 360 degrees. That's the wrong way to go. You just end up where you started. It's 180 going the other way. And what that means is, husbands, I want you to, I want you to have a serious talk with your wife. If they're not having margin, wives, I want you to do the same thing with your husbands. You need to learn to say these two things, okay? I mean, here's a secret. You need to learn to say these two things in your marriage. Forgive me is the first thing. Forgive me. It's real quiet in here. Are y'all learning anything? Just forgive me. The second thing you need to learn to say is, I'm sorry. Do you know why it's so hard for you to say that to others, look at me. Because your mom and dad probably never said that to you. That's what makes it so difficult. Let me just say this, and I'll say it real quick. I'm a Christian. I should be a professional repenter. That's what you should be. A Christian means I've blown it. I know it, I know what I've done, I know where I've gone, but I know where he wants me to go, and I want to go there. And if I have to say, I'm sorry, forgive me, please, I'm not doing that again, I mean, you know, come on. I'm like the plow horse, put the blinders on me. I don't care how I get there, I just want to get there. Because there's distractions, all, and you know what, I don't need to be looking over here, I don't need to be looking over there. God, I'm sorry. I've been proud. Name it what it is, come on. Let me ask, anybody ever been proud here? Come on, anybody ever walked in just serious pride, just something stupid you believed you needed to look like or do, and then you look and you look back and you go, "That was I was a fool." <laughs> it's kind of like your date night, it's your prom night. You break out with a zit right on the tip of your nose. I'm a Christian. That means 
I'm a Christ follower. I'm a little Christ. I represent something greater than it's, that's a part of this world. I'm living in another world. Listen, I want to listen, I serve a God that's not even from this world. And I'm going to a place that's not of this world. The second the third thing is, is that you just need to restart. Ask God to show you how to start a new life that's sustainable. What do you mean? Here it is. Let me just say, get with a pastor, a mentor, someone smarter than you and ask for help. If nobody can inspect you, then you don't have accountability and you're lying to yourself. Thanks for all those amens. What do you mean? Do you have someone that you can look up to? See, I I just know this. If you live your life in the dark, you'll probably end up walking in the dark. Sometimes we need the pressure of the light of God to shine in our hearts so we deal with what we need to deal with. How many of you, be, let, let me just say this, I'm not, how many of you, you go, Pastor Baba, I want to be more like Jesus. Are you spending time with the source? I can't make a decision without going to him, because the Bible says an abundance of counselors, there's what? Wisdom. Let me just tell you something. When I first got saved, the first thing I know I needed was wisdom. Because I'd, I'd been pretty stupid by myself. And I realized, you know, I'd done put so much stuff into my body, in my mind. I needed, you know, I, I started reading articles. You know, you have so many brain cells. You, I needed help with brain cells to be restored. Okay, because I killed a bunch off. And I remember a guy just came to me and said, you know, Bubba, you need to spend time with God. You need to. If you want to get wise, the book of Proverbs, the book of James. That's the that James is like the new is like the is the New Testament book of Proverbs. And you need a proverb a day. There's 31 proverbs. You see, if you read a proverb a day, it might help you. And I start doing that. Make that part of my daily reading. I still do that. And just and I start looking at things and I realize just how I mean you read Proverbs, it talks about it talks about a stupid man, a way, a wayward man, it talks about the adulterer, the adulteress, watch out for the adulteress, watch out for lust. There's things that talks about things you need to be careful of as a man, and when you make decisions, how do you treat your wife? How do you treat your children? There's a whole lot of keys in there. But I know this if you cannot open this book right here. And allow it to be part of your life. You'll never open up your life and let people inspect the pages of your life. Listen, I, I don't want to be, as a pastor, I'm not, I'm not the nursery worker. I'm just, as a pastor, I'm here, to, I'm supposed to just say, hey, this is where you need to go. This is what you need to do. I'm here to give you advice. But not only give you advice, but be like a daddy sometimes. You can't do that. Why? It'll kill you. No, it won't. Yes, it will. You remember if you ever do something stupid in church when you're little? My mom had the thing called the claw. 
That means she had long fingernails. And me and my brother would bring our Hot Wheels to church, you know. So one day we were peeling out in the in the and she went and she grabbed the claw. She grabbed my little brother Todd and grabbed him right here and just, you know how mama, you know, mama, you know your weapons. And she just put that thing right there and he went in the middle of the quiet moment of the service. He went, ow! My mom, she turned so red. I thought, oh my God, he's dead. Get that. Put a plan on paper. Ask people who love you to hold you accountable to living a life that has margin. People tell me all the time, Pastor, you can tell me if you see anything in my life. Listen, advice that is not asked for is usually not appreciated. I had a young guy ask me one time, he said, Pastor, if you see anything in my life, just tell me. And I looked at him. I said, every time we meet, you need to remind me of that. Because when you do, you open the door for me able to step in and say what I need to say. And it might not be a moment I need to say. I don't go around looking to tell people what they got. Hey, can I just be honest with you? I'm not walking around going. I've had people call me, ask me for advice. And I, I mean, I'm just telling them what I've experienced. I mean, Sharon called me. Is that okay, Sharon, for me to say it? I said it already, but Sharon called me the other day. She goes, I got this situation, Pastor. And I, said, and I just gave her some, th- some things. And she goes, that's what I needed to hear. I needed to hear that. So I can make that decision. And it wasn't like a revelation. She already knew in her heart. She just needs someone like an echo. Yes. And it comes back, yes. Here's what you, I want, this is what I want you to do. Nobody looking around, I'm just going to ask you two questions. Okay, then we're done. Okay, I already, I promise. I want you to be really honest. Okay. How many of you would say, yes, I'm a follower of Jesus, but I don't have consistent, consistent, intimate time with God. If that's you, raise your hand. going to be honest here. How many of you are here and, and you're so busy and you're so overwhelmed that you find it difficult to rest and when you do, you even feel guilty? If that's you, raise your hand. Listen to me. How terrible would it be if we end up successful, we end up rich, we have, we have the world, but we lose our wives and our children and we lose our souls. I want you to create a sustainable lifestyle that gives you margin in your life. Can everybody just stand up this morning? Just stand up. The band's going to come. Your life is like this bucket. If you're not filling it with anything, it has nothing to give. Jesus said, I'm the living water. We should be containers of the living water. Our moment of being with God, to have those intimate times when we get with him. And the Bible says, and I, I look at it like this. He's pouring like that pitcher of living water into our lives. 
And when we allow that, all of a sudden, it begins to overflow, and it affects everyone and everything and every circumstance around us. It changes our attitudes. It changes our response to God. It changes our response to other people. It changes who we are. And I believe this is that I'm called to be a follower of Jesus, and I'm going to follow him. I need to sometimes go to him and just get the instructions. You know, most people don't read this Bible. It's kind of like the owner manual of your car. How many of you are talking about? How many of you have ever read the owner's manual of your car? Anybody in here? There's a few people like that. Okay. How many of you have never read the owner's manual of your car? Let something go wrong with it, and all of a sudden you pull it out, right? Sometimes that's how we play with God in God's Word. It's right there all along. But all of a sudden, it seems like when things go wrong and go bad, we go, wait a minute. Oh, 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 oh. Better pull this book out. See, <laughs> okay. Messed up, screwed up life. Burnout. Rebellion. Children that drive you crazy. It's all right here. It's all right here. If you're here this morning, I'll just say this. God's here. He's not mad at you. He's just drawing you. The Bible says it's the goodness of God that draws us to himself. You know what drew me to my daddy? When he was good to me. When my dad was mad or mean, I resisted that. How many are you talking about? Are you a parent? But all of a sudden you see that he has something good for you. And see, for, for some of us, it's that, it's that moment just the, of the exchange. We don't, we're not sure what God wants to give us. The Bible said he wants to give you the free gift of life. Say free. How many enjoy free? How many, you ever have somebody tell me, give you something free, you weren't expecting it? Oh, it's free. Wow, dang, I enjoy that. It's free. God's presence will cost you something. It'll cost you your time. It'll cost you your effort. Finding the place. That's what it'll cost you. But the return, wow. The benefits, how many of you got reward packages in your credit cards and stuff like that? And you, they'll tell you, oh, you have so many points. Let me tell you something. Sometimes you don't see what God's doing in your life, but he's putting things in you that you can redeem for later. You, listen, I've learned this, and you, I'm just going to say it. It's called the Mr. Miyagi principle. How many of you watch Karate Kid? Okay, remember what he did? He goes, he goes I want to I learn those tricks you got. Mr. Miyagi, teach me. He goes, oh, he comes. Remember the first day? Go wax my car. <laughs> After half the day, he's cussing out Mr. Miyagi. That full-on thing, waxing the car. <laughs> he goes, and he comes back and goes, wax off. Wax off. Wax on, wax off, wax off. Then remember he has that moment. He comes back and he goes, you're just using me. You just, you just whacked on, whacked off. And all of a sudden he goes, Daniel, son, look at me. 
he goes, remember he goes, wax off, and he goes, wax on, wax. Can I tell you something? Sometimes, God, you go, why do I read the word of God? Why am I memorizing? Because you know what? One day, because you're kind of waxing on and waxing off in the spirit. So when the devil comes and he tries it, you go, wax off. All of a sudden, what you've been hiding in here, the Bible says if you hide God's word in your heart, it'll be a light into your, into your path. Some of us just need to, it's like some well, pastor, I don't see the results. Listen, you do it long enough, consistent enough. You might not see it now, but when the enemy comes at you, when circumstances come at you, when life faces bad things in your way, you're ready. Come on, somebody say, are, are you, here, here it is. Are you ready? Are you ready? I just feel this, and this is a little bit different service. And I'm not going to apologize, but I just remember my wife. She came and says, Pastor, baby, I, she didn't call me Pastor. She called me. She, she calls me Lord. But anyway, just, no. <laughs> no, she doesn't. Yeah, I'm going to call you Lord. You know, just <laughs> two by four, you know. Why did I say anyway? I just feel like we're supposed to pray for you this morning. Some of you. I just believe some of you need to get out of your seat this morning. Just come and stand right here at the altar. The altar's not going to save you. The altar's not going to be a make, make the change. But what it does is you get out of your comfort zone and say, God, here I am. Touch me. Fill me. Give me a hunger for you. Or maybe there'll be other people that come around and pray for you. But I just believe this. Can we do this this morning? Can, can, and I, I'm just going to call and if you don't know the Lord, if you don't, if you, you go, man, Pastor, I came here. I've been away from the Lord for a while. If you're a visitor, go, I'm just visiting, man. I'm just a, you know what? Lock the door. Anyway, no. I just, I just really believe many of you just need a touch of God. A hunger. Some of you came in here, you need healing in your body. Some of you here, and you're living in poverty in the spirit, but God wants to teach you how to be rich in him. that's you, just come to the front. I'm not going to beg, and they're going to sing, and we're just going to pray for you this morning. Come on, come on, come on, come on, come on, come on. What are we all coming up here for, Pastor? Because you just want more of God, and you know that you need margin in your life. You say, Pastor Bubba, that's me. I need margin in my life. Just come right now, and I believe God's going to touch you. I believe God's going to minister to you. I believe that he's going to refresh you. Maybe you've lived in a way that just hasn't been healthy. And I'm saying with your time, with your effort, whatever it is, just come. I'm not going to beg you. I'm not going to plead. I'm not going to tell you a sad story. But I know this. If you come, the Bible says, he said, if you come to me weary and heavy laden, Jesus said, I'll give you rest. How does he give that rest? It's the miracle of his it's the miracle of who he is. It's us putting ourselves in a place, in a position to say, God, I can't do it. But I need you. If you're here, you're poverty, you have a power, you know that inside you just haven't had that intimate walk with God. You love God. 
but there hadn't been that intimacy. You just need to be refreshed and, and renewed and have a hunger. If that's you, just come. Come right now. I believe God's going to refresh you. God's going to restore you. God's going to put that hunger in your heart. You that are out there, if you, I need some prayer warriors just to come and gather around these that are up here. Come on, just come. Come on, just come. You're going to believe and pray. Stand behind these. To trust that God will come and touch them and minister to them. Right now, just come. Stand behind them. I need people that people that walk in faith. Come on. I don't want to point you out until you come up here. Come on. Just come. I need something another. I need a man up here to pray. Come on. I need some men. I need some other women. Every one of us. I want you to look at everybody that's up here. Look, I've been where you at. I've been there. And the people that are praying for you, they've been where you're at. And I just believe this. When you make the step, God makes that step towards you. Now, the people that are behind me, just ask them, hey, how can I pray for you? Why are you here this morning? How can I pray? And then just pray what they need. They're here. Just ask them. The Bible says you have not because you've asked not. Just ask them. Hey, I need some more people over here to the left, more women. You're in the crowd, just extend your hand towards these people that are in the front. I'm just going to pray. Father, right now, in Jesus' name, I thank you. I thank you. There's nothing special in our hands, but we know that when we put our lives in your hand, that God, you open our eyes. And Father, this morning, I just pray that you would open up hearts you would open up spiritual eyes and we would begin to see. God, we realize that sometimes we've just been empty because we haven't allowed ourselves to have that margin, to have that space, to be able to have those moments with you that where you come and that you just have intimacy with us and we have intimacy with you. And I pray, Father, right now that you would just come and that you would touch every heart, you would touch every mind, you would touch every person in their need. Lord, you know exactly what they need. You know exactly why they're here. And Father, I pray that you would just come and that you would just work nothing less than a, a miracle. You, God, you would work out those things that seem like they could not be worked out. You would work out those things that seem impossible. Lord, I thank you that you are the God, that, that you are the God that works impossible. It seems impossible for us. It's so possible for you. And I pray, God, that you would just come and you would love your children. Lord, you long for this moment where they would just come. And they would just say, God, refresh me, renew me, create in me a new heart. God, make me have a new mind. God, that I be transformed, not conformed to the image of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of my mind and my soul and my spirit. I pray for hunger all over this place. I pray for those that are in the crowd. Lord, this morning, I pray that you would just come and that you would just put a hunger, a hunger, a hunger for those that are poor in the spirit. Lord, I pray that they would go, I want to be rich in you, God. Help me to tap into your riches. I want to tap into the source of life. I pray that for everyone here. I pray that, God, that you would just, you would renew and you would restore those things that seem to be taken away or they feel robbed from. I pray for those that have had maybe just religious experiences and they're not here for that. They want what's something that's real. I pray, God, that you would just you would just come and you would touch them. You would speak. You would speak so clearly. 
pray for those that have been sick in their body that need a miracle. Father, right now, in Jesus' name, I pray for miracle power. Lord, I thank you that you're able to deliver from the uttermost. And Father, I pray for those that are sick in their body. I pray that you would just restore, you renew, and you would work a miracle in their life, I pray. In the mighty name of Jesus. You agree with that? Say, I agree. Give the Lord a hand clap. He's worthy.